Hey, this is Brent Leary, and I'm looking forward to spending a few good minutes with Shoal Perlman. Shoal is the VP of Product Management for One-to-One -one Customer Engagement for Pega. Shoal, thank you for joining me, man. This is great. I'm glad to be here. Thanks, Brent. So we're going to spend the next uh, few good minutes, I guess I ought to put it like that, <laughs> kind of talking about things like customer engagement, what's going on with customers, how should we be thinking about engagement coming out of this pandemic and going into a new year. But before we do that, why don't you give us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So I'm really a coder, really, from the time I was a little kid. That's sort of like, you know, at the core of what, what I've been, an engineer. Um, I started my professional career working in network management software. So like listening to high speed events and aggregating them, figuring out, you know, what's up, what's down. And uh, uh, the company that I was working for got acquired by IBM. And so I, you know, when I was in IBM, I got to do lots of different things. And uh, that sort of morphed into an area that we called Smarter Cities. And so Smarter mm -hmm. Cities was where I learned about data science and optimization. So we did a lot of stuff like optimizing water usage and traffic and things like that. And that's where I really got this love for what, I, what I've been calling applied data science. It's kind of taking the data science. I'm not a card carrying data science, say data scientist, but um, you know, I, I got this love for applying math to real world problems and you know, really seeing the, the impact that it could have. And uh, so I switched into the, uh, the marketing and e-commerce space and even there, there were a lot of really interesting problems about you know, using data science to predict when stock levels in a certain warehouse are going to be nearly depleted and shipped from a different warehouse. And I just found that fascinating. Um, so when I, when, when I joined PEGA, there was this, this problem that, that I, I had seen. We had kind of touched upon it. We used to talk about it over beer, where if you could take the type of decisioning, you know, data applied data science that's typically used for like call centers. Like when you call up and you're about to cancel your service, they have like one chance to say something to you, right? What are they going to say to you to try to keep you from, from canceling? If you could use that, but for all type of customer engagements, right? Even like sending you emails, so, you know, using what you care about to engage with you. I just felt like that was a really, you know, like a really expansive, but very, grasp a vision that I can really grasp my teeth into. And um, so that, that's really what I've been what I've been working on since uh, since I joined Pega. Awesome. So let's talk about how have customer expectations, behaviors, all things customer, how are all these things that they expect and what they do and how they react, how have they changed over years? And and maybe we can even break it down into you know pre-pandemic during the pandemic, how have things changed? And maybe what's, what are we going to look like on the other end of this pandemic? But just maybe some of the big basic changes that you've seen. I think one of the biggest things that's changed, and it, it, it was in play even before the pandemic, was that people really expect to be communicated about something that's relevant to them. You know, I think for a long time, it was just generally accepted that, like, I have two email addresses, you know, not even talking about my corporate one. I have like my real one that I use for friends and I have my other one, which is for like signing up for newsletters and, you know, <laughs> e-commerce, not yours, right? But, you know, others, <laughs> right? right. And um, I think we, you, you know, people just sort of got to this point where they just accepted there's going to be a bunch of junk that goes to the, you know, the one where you sign up for things. But I think 
people's patience have worn thin on those. Like I, I know like during the pandemic, I had time to like sit down and just unsubscribe to just tons of stuff that I didn't care about because it wasn't relevant to me anymore. And I think that one of the things that's changed is there's been this recognition in the industry that we don't need to do that anymore. We have the technology to do better. I think people have also, because they've been dealing a lot more with, you know, calling companies up directly, they ex there's an expectation that companies will listen and remember. Like when you're on the phone and you express like, don't talk to me about that subscription. I, it's not something I care about. There's kind of this assumption now that they will have heard you and they will make note of it and use it in the future. Like we're not just like our expectations have risen. It's not enough to just make use of it in that conversation. I think there's the expectation that it will get remembered for a long time. Yeah, and the next time you talk to someone, they, you know, they won't ask you about the same thing again. Well, they don't want to feel like, you know, you're just playing at being interested, right? They're not just talking and expecting you just to shake your head and then nothing happens, right? They're looking yeah. for meaningful, more meaningful engagement. It seems like, you know, just from my experiences, you know, pre-pandemic, companies could kind of get away with the, Eh, you know, uh, yeah, we we hear you, yeah, but we're still going to do what we we're going to do. Yeah, not anymore. Just, I think this pandemic has kind of like told you know it, you need to do be more empathetic, and you need to actually show us that you really care, and not just by saying that you care, but really hearing what we're saying and then doing something about that. Show it by how you treat me. Yeah. You know, show that you've listened. If you trans, I think we used to we used to just sort of accept that. Oh, I'm going to get transferred to five different departments. We sort of just accept that that's just a fact of life. And now I think the bar has risen up because all our interactions are digital. We don't have the patience for it anymore. We're like, what do you mean you're going to transfer me to a <laughs> department? You know, it's just not okay anymore. Yeah, you know, and there's so many different you know places, layers, complexities, perspectives where all these interactions can take place between a customer and, and the vendor. Um, a lot of the folks kind of focus on the customer uh, kind of service piece of that, which makes totally sense because in the, like at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody was in such need for almost everything just because things changed so dramatically, you know, overnight. And so I, I was seeing like hundreds of thousands of calls coming in when it used to be like a couple of hundred, or a couple of thousand, you know, a, a month or a day in some instances, and, you know, and so the emphasis was definitely on, you know, customer support because people needed support. But what about how marketing is handled, you know, the, you know, the pandemic in the way to interact and engage with customers? If you had to give, like, generally, just generally speaking, if you had to give marketers a grade uh, of how they have reacted and responded to customers during the pandemic, what grade would you give it and why? I think it was like a C minus for the first eight or nine months. And then I think it shot up a lot. And I think you could even see it like on advertisements on TV. Like remember the first few months you saw these ads where like, you know, people are hanging out and you know, they're face to face. And there came this certain point in time when our, that became a strange feeling to see that, right? And mm -hmm. there had to be this you know immediate adaptation to people's perceptions have changed. It's no longer okay to make people uncomfortable with things that were from, you know, a previous era, pre-pandemic. I think one of the things that's, um, that, that I've been excited about, and one of the things that's sort of like risen up the importance of using machine learning is 
these campaigns that people have traditionally ran where they're just based upon demographics, what happened is people's behavior suddenly changed drastically over the course of like three or four months. And all of the like the pre-scripted campaigns that were defined before that suddenly were like completely out of alignment with what people were expecting. And so it's it's really like, you know, the, the, the ones who are using machine learning, those, those systems were able to just adapt to the fact that people's behavior, people's behaviors were very different. And it changed so fast that it's hard for like the pre-scripted parts of it to just get reworked, you know, because a lot of work that goes into, in, you know, into, into making those changes. I tell you, I think for me, it's, it's like finally, and, and, and I don't know if this is kind of to a certain extent human behavior, but sometimes we all get kind of locked in with the way th we do things. And, and as long as we can do it that same way, we're not really all that interested in, in changing. But when something like this happens where what we typically do, he can't even do it anymore. Uh, it forces you kind of to finally break out of that shell and, and start to try to be more creative and innovative about you know, approaching the, the issue at hand. So when you think about customer engagement in particular, what what has been the mold breakers that finally made com companies have to change and do things? And what are some of the best ways that you've seen that happen? I'll say it's it's I think it's been in the numbers. You know, marketing is very regardless of how you do it, it tends to be a very um, quantitative profession. You know, you could really measure is it working or is it not working? My response rates used to be 3.4% and now they plummeted to 0.6%, right? And I'm getting unsubscribes. You can't argue with that. You know, it's sort of become like this force of, of change. So that's actually, I think, been a positive, a positive driver towards change. So lie. yeah, the numbers don't lie, of course, but it feels like you know, once you have the numbers, are people ready to do what it takes to make a difference and, and not just change the numbers, but change kind of what goes on behind the numbers? Because, for example, call centers, I think yeah. one of the main metrics for call centers was, you know, uh, handle rates. You know, how, how long are we on the phone with them before we are able to get off? Which, you know, you understand why that became a thing uh, as you were trying to handle more and more issues and you're trying to like be as efficient as possible. But in certain instances, I, I was, I can't remember what report I saw this in, but I saw this like a staggering number, like all, upwards of 40% of people during the pandemic were calling call centers just to hear another human. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it felt and then in certain instances where sometimes being able to hold that engagement was, it might not have kind of been the efficient thing to do, but from a relationship building standpoint, it could have been the best thing to do. Are you seeing uh, companies starting to change, you know, the metrics behind how they measure success yeah. from a becoming, perspective? Absolutely. It's becoming a lot more about empathy. So obviously, you know, there are metrics we can use to measure this. Usually, the, you know, the typical one is NPS, right? Um, yeah. The promoter score. And that's, you know, and one of the interesting things is we have this, this ability to kind of balance two numbers together. We have the needs of the business and the needs of the customer. So the needs of the customer, you can measure through something that we, you know, we calculate called propensity. What is your propensity to say yes to signing up for paperless billing if we were to offer it to you right now, right? 
you might have a very high propensity. So we might say, yes, the business might have a really strong need to want to push a certain product on you. We have to close it. You know, it's refinancing because rates are really low and we've committed that we're going to close this number of refinances, right? So the, the business might have a strong need to kind of make a certain number. But what we're seeing is, you know, there's a dial and we're seeing companies want to dial much towards towards the empathetic side, not emphasizing so much the needs of the business, but emphasizing much more the you know the the cares of their customers because otherwise you lose them. Do you see that as a trend, something that's long term? You know that, uh, or is it something? Well, we're in the midst of this big thing, and we're trying to hold on to our customers, and we're just trying to do what we need to do. I think, it's, I, I think it's okay. Good. <laughs> I, I have the cynical uh, kind of side of me, but explain why you think it's a, it's a long term trend. I think it's a good trend. I, I would love to hear why you think it's a trend. I, I think it's just people's people's tolerance for anything less than that has just gone way down. I think another thing that's changed is because we've all had to deal with companies, re, you know, remotely. Even if it was like our local bank and we could have gone in, we don't anymore, right? So suddenly there isn't really that connection to like who's in my neighborhood, you, you know what I mean? It's much more about what's the best service that I can get. I don't care where it is because I'm going to deal with them digitally anyway. And it only takes like one wrong move to say, all right, I'm done with this company. I went through this myself. I you know, I had a bad experience and I, and I said, I'm never dealing with them again. I don't need somebody who's local to me. I just need someone who's going to treat me right. Yeah. What about in terms of you know the efforts around digital transformation? Before it felt like to me, kind of generally speaking, that they weren't really talking about transforming as much as they were talking about transitioning or translating what they do now into a more efficient using technology to do the same thing, but just maybe yeah. more efficiently to a real transformation, which means, all right, what do we how what do we need to do and it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to stay in between the lines that we built 10 20 years yeah. ago what's your, lot, are you you seeing that now so i see a lot more openness from the business usually you know there's like the tech side and there's the you know the quote business side they have different roles and title names but there's usually like some two sets of people right in every company and i think in the past we still see some of this there are like these tech led transformations oh, we're paying these licenses to this vendor and we have to stop paying it by this certain date. And so we have to buy a new system, but I don't want to bother the business people. Leave them alone, let their world stay exactly as it was. And we're just going to sort of switch out this tech for this other tech. Um, and I think we've traditionally got a lot of pushback when we've said like, hey, there's a better way to do this. Like for example, and it's a marketing system rather than just replacing doing the exact same campaigns that you were doing before this, you know, statically defined journeys, let's say, replacing with new tech, we now say, hey, there's a better way to do it. Balance propensity versus the needs of the business and figure out what is the best thing I can say to somebody at any given point in time. I think previously we had a lot more pushback on that. Now we're seeing the business say, hey, tell me how that works. I might be, I might be willing to do that. And even if it means I have to change the way the way I work, because usually, you know, there's some other force going on where they were talking about doing something like that anyway. And now they hear about a better way to do it. And they say, oh, I'm, I'm actually open to hearing about that. You mentioned the way we work, the way people work. How is that in the midst of what we're going on with now where most people, a lot of people are at home, 
They're, they're working via, you know, these kinds of tools using video conferencing or collaboration. But how has the way that we work changed customer engagement? Well, I, I think just in, even in terms of what we were talking about before about, you know, digital transformation, I think before it was very hard to even get a meeting. You know, you had to like get dates set up and you got to fly somewhere. Now I find that clients are willing to like get on the phone, you know, for half an hour, hear how something should work and then go on with their with their day. So that like the speed of interaction and being able to, you know, influence people's mindset is just much faster than it was before. Um and I think also, you know, when people are are interacting, they have, even as consumers, we have more empathy for the person on the other end because we know they're just like us. They're also sitting in their house, you know, their kids are screaming, they're they're doing the best they can to help us out. And so when they do help us, we're appreciative. You know, we say, thank you for taking care of me. That's one what about, thing I've seen. No, nah, that's awesome. What about, uh, you know, we're in the midst of, you know, the holiday season, things are, you know, you know, kind of a little uncertain. It's a different kind of uncertainty than last year. We had, you know, last year was the first kind of go around with the pandemic during the holiday season. Now, unfortunately, we're still kind of dealing with the pandemic. It's the second go around, but it doesn't feel the same because of the issues with, you know, supply chain and logistics. And, and what role does that play in a customer experience today, but what it will change, what will it be uh, going forward? How will those things, things that customers really didn't think a whole lot about, but now they're kind of front and center and they impact the overall customer experience. How do things, you know, once they kind of settle down, I hope, but what will that mean to the experience going forward? The, you know, supply chain, logistics, all the things that people really don't want to think about but they affect the customer experience in dramatic ways, particularly now. Yeah, I, I think that this probably going to be, um, you know, we're probably going to go through these fits and starts where we think everything's sort of getting back and then, you know, it's not going to quite be that way. But I think it's probably going to affect it in the way that, you know, when you offer something to somebody, there's going to be this question of, can you actually fulfill it? And so that's going to mean that, you know, it's another factor that goes into when I'm speaking to somebody, you know, there are 20 things, 30 things that I could talk to them about. It's not just about picking the one I want to sell. It's about picking the one that I'm actually also going to be able to most likely fulfill for them. And that's where I think like the marketing starts to meet the back office in terms of, you know, can you actually do what you what you offer to do? People are going to prioritize that. Absolutely. And how is the relationship between all these different folks in different departments, customer, well, customer support, marketing, sales, product development, uh, partnerships. How has this experience that we're all going through, how has that changed forever, the overall interactions that we have with customers, just how they interact, you know, you know between them be, to help customers eventually? I think it's the expectation that the, the, there's no longer this acceptance that you know, you you can't figure things out with a partner. I think, you know, clients expect that vendors will be able to get together. There's no more excuse for, oh, this company's based in India and this company's on the, you know, on the West Coast. I think there's an expectation that you guys will get together. We know that you're all at home. We know that, you know, you could stay up a little bit late, get on the phone, get in a WebEx, figure it out, please, on my behalf as a as a as a customer. 
Wow. So do you think meeting customer expectations is going to be more difficult because of this experience that we're going through than it was pre-pandemic? I, I unfortunately, I think it will be because the the expectations as you know have risen. I think maybe if it was like six months, it might have gone back. But we've been in this for long enough now, where the expect people have seen how it can be, and how how collaboration can work. You know, even how companies can collaborate and how people in different departments of the same company can collaborate. And uh, that expectation is not going away. Hmm. I think it's here to stay. It, it's going. It's going one way still. Those expectations seem to be continually ratcheting up, it feels like. Yeah. I mean, even like, you know, sometimes I go into the office, but it's actually easier for everybody to get in a, you know, in a Zoom. You have better audio and better video than it is to get in one, <laughs> in one room. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, let's talk about uh, the change, maybe if there is a change or what, what the change is. The correlation between good customer experiences and good employee experiences. How do you see that? Is there a direct correlation? Is it an equal part? This equals that? How do you explain it? Because I've, I've been involved with a lot of industry conversations and, and there's a pretty sizable debate as to you know the importance of employee experience to customer experience. How do you see it? I see that employee, especially if you have um, you know, client facing employees, right. Who are on the front lines. I think that, you know, we, we, we used to be acceptance of, there used to be this acceptance of, Oh, my system's down right now. It's a little bit slow. Now, like that represents the employee experience, right? If they're having a hard time getting an answer or, you know, they're speaking about something that doesn't quite resonate. There's just, an, there's a much lower threshold that people have for accepting that now. I think they kind of accept that, like, you know, as a back office, you know, company, you know, in terms of like back office systems, you're going to get them hammered out and working and talking to each other. So the person on the front line is able to answer questions quickly and fluidly. So I think it does directly impact customer experience. Even more so now than in the past? Yeah, just because we're more exposed to it now. You know, we're, we're always dealing with, with companies digitally and we're always having to, you know, we're, we're asking more complicated questions too of, of companies. And that leads to the whole uh, AI. Where does AI fit into the, you know, where we're going with things? It, let's go with the example you just laid out. If you're a, a, a customer support agent, you want to be able to ask or, or, or handle, you know, the situation that a customer has, especially if it's some kind of a, you know, uh, emergency situation, you want to be able to handle it as quickly and efficiently, but as empathetic as possible. How does AI help in that regard? How's it, how do they leverage it and use it in a way that makes that relationship even stronger uh, after the interaction is done? Yeah, I think it's that um, it's very hard to train. You know, sometimes what we found is like, you know, the best agents usually are able to outperform AI, right? The one at, you know, the, the top 1% because they've been around the company. They understand all the offerings in depth. They're able to sort of read cues, like keywords that the customer ha has said. But it, th that's sort of like the very, very top tier. Once you start going to the, you know, the, the, the masses, right? You have thousands of agents um, and thousands of web interactions also where there is no agent, where customers are just interacting directly with the brand 
You can't do that through, through humans. You have to have AI making those decisions. I think one thing that I've certainly seen change, even just over the course of the 18 months, is this understanding that it's not just about like letting the AI run rampant and like randomly make decisions. You know, like if you have, you know, a thousand monkeys and you let them type on a thousand typewriters, someone's going to come up with Shakespeare. We've all recognized that that's not what AI is about. Still requires humans to carefully craft like what would make sense in a given situation. You know, if I just got a credit card mailed to me and you're going to show me something about, hey, spend $20,000 and get this bonus, that's a silly thing to say to me right now because I haven't even activated the card, right? Mm. That's not something you need AI for. That's something that you need marketers to sit down and be very clear about. I have these stages that a customer goes through in their journey towards deepening their relationship with me. And you have to constrain the AI to give it room to maneuver right? So it can learn, but it can't just experiment, right? That's, I, I think, something that ha, I, I think a lot of people have grasped that even over in this past 18 months. It is not really one or the other. It's really bringing the two together. It's bringing like the, you know, the, the common sense of a marketer and their ability to map out those steps that their customers go through and allowing the AI to work to kind of riff off of that in the space that it's given. And that kind of leads up to this whole talk and discussion around journeys, customer journeys. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you guys, uh, you guys are big into that and you've got some uh, things that you're doing around that. Yeah, you know, I think there's been this idea in the industry that, uh, you know, the customer journeys are kind of in conflict with AI, right? Like I've been in the room with marketers and they're really proud. I was in a room once where folks broke out like a 10 foot Visio printout. They put it on the wall with like all these like really, really intricate lines and branches. They were really proud of it because they put a lot of work into going through like, what are all the steps? It was an insurance company, right? And they're like, what are all the things that happen? And when you're 30 days before a renewal period, mm. one of these four things needs to happen, right? And I think they felt in that conversation when I started talking about, you know, using AI next best action, they were kind of thinking like, so you're invalidating all of this work that I've done to understand my customers? I'm not cool with that. That's, that's not empathetic. And I think what, what we've had to do, it, you know, is a nut that we had to crack with customer journeys, which was really giving the marketer the place where they express that understanding of the different situations their customers can be in. And then coming up with not just one thing you might say 10 days before renewal, but let the creativity run free. Come up with 50 different ways to approach that situation. Let the AI experiment on which of those things is most likely to get the person to renew. You know what I mean? But pick from those 50 things in that situation because that's what's most, that's what makes sense in that situation. It's almost like marketers already feel like they're creative, but you know, maybe they've got to start looking at creativity in a different way, in an expanded way, to take advantage of what AI is bringing them and, and freeing them to do, basically. Exactly, freeing is the key thing. It's We want to unleash their creativity in thinking of all the different ways you could word something and all the different ways you could appeal to somebody, but we don't want them to have to do is, we don't want to have them to have to write like database SQL queries looking for the specific person to send this specific message to. The AI can do that part, you know? And you know, much more scale. Absolutely. So, so how does that 
that concept? How do you think that changes marketing or how should it change the marketing industry going forward? It really should be. I think about being like, um, I, I, I think of it as like being feeding the brain, right? You need a constant fresh stream of content. You know, I'll use that, you know, what the example I was using before about, you know, when we got a few months into the pandemic, the types of messages that we expected to see, some of them were jarring and some of them showed us like, oh, they really understand what world I'm living in right now. Like we started seeing these ads about, oh, you're working at home and your kids are screaming, right? You're, like you could relate to that. So we really want marketers to be able to like read the moment and spend their time generating that content that's that human content that appeals to, to people. Get that into the system and let the AI start warming up and trying it out. That's what I, I think the biggest change. But you know, the other thing that I see is there's still measurements. Like we were talking about the numbers don't lie. Right. You might be a marketer who's accountable for generating 5,000 refinance leads, right? And you're still held accountable for that. So I think there still is a part of it about making it easy to measure that they're still able to meet their goals that they're held to. And sometimes those might conflict with what is this particular customer most interested in. And I think it's there's that you know it's it's embracing that tension and having a way of being able to serve both needs, you know, the measurement while still being empathetic. That's where I think things are going. Oh, that's awesome. And it, I feel like it's also maybe partially going to be solved by a newer generation of marketers who are going to be coming in, you know, kind of with these inherent traits and, and, and skill sets to do what you're just talking about there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's, um, it, it's definitely, I won't, I won't, I won't sugarcoat it. I'll say it's a, it's still a hard transformation because, you know, we're dealing with an industry that has been working a certain way for 30, 40 years, even going back to the direct marketing, right? Sending out yeah. postcards, and <laughs> we still get those. And for those, you really do have to like address it to a certain person. There are ways of using AI for that as well, but it's obviously, you know, you don't get the same click right away that you do through digital channels or the same feedback loop. It's that feedback loop that I think is um, very possible right now. We're getting that stream of data. Um, another thing that I think is taking off is listening. You know, there's, there's a lot of talk in the industry about privacy and we kind of get skeeved out when, you know, even happens to me, I'm having a conversation with my wife and then I see an ad for something, right? We kind of think like, how could that have happened? You know, what iPads in the room are listening to my conversation, right? <laughs> I'm always paranoid about that. So that's a little weird, but I think there's a whole lot that we share with brands when we're talking to them that they can use just interacting with a website clicking on things those clicks that's gold right there you know what we're how people navigate through your site that's something that i think every brand is a rush now to like listen to that data and make use of it in these in these decision making in, in this decision making i think that's what the you know the, the the crop of marketers who are growing up right now i think they they sort of get that and they get that also it's a, it's a difficult technical challenge, but we definitely have the technology now to, to do it. Awesome. So one more question, peer out, use your crystal ball, peer out to you know, the future, maybe two to five years out. What, and then I know this is maybe a little too broad a question, but mm -hmm. what, what is customer engagement gonna be looking like? Well, you, you, maybe just give us 
a couple of ideas how it may be different than it is today? I think it's going to be much more in the moment. So I think it's going to be, it's not going to be intruding on you, but it's going to be really listening to like what your needs are, anticipating your needs and getting in front of that. And I, I you know, I think the days we, we're still sort of like living through the days of what things used to be like with marketing. We still get tons of tons of junk. I think that's pretty much all going to go away, um, you know, over the next three or five years. I think there's also going to be a lot more of um, voice technology. So making use of our intonations and our sentiment. So, you know, right now we've been on calls and, you know, if you get angry, you get transferred to a different person, right? But I think that, you know, technology that is able to listen to those conversations, even assist people. Like when you say something, you don't have to spell it out. It will just assist the customer service person to take what you've said and weave it into the into the discussion. So I think there'll be like a lot of voice assisted AI that's going to become commonplace. Awesome. I, I am all for the day when marketers as well as everybody else can literally hold a conversation with their application instead yeah. of having to type and click and swipe and things that really don't come natural with us. We have to learn those things to talk to computers. What if we could just use our own language and have full-blown conversations because I think more people would use these systems and we'd get more out of these systems as well. Yeah, and people wouldn't say, human, I'm done with this bot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Awesome. Hey, so this has been a great conversation. Uh, is there any place on the on the Pega site that maybe people can go and learn more about some of the things that we discussed? Yeah, go uh, go check out Customer Decision Hub. There's a great white paper called Crossing the Chasm that is um, really talks about this transition of you know how things used to be towards how you know what's possible now and you know kind of the friction that there still is, but how some of the you know the leaders in the industry have have gotten past it. It's it's some interesting stuff. I really enjoy awesome. it. Awesome. Joel, this has been a great conversation. Thanks for taking time to do this. You're welcome. Glad I was able to make it and uh, it was great to meet you.